0: You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdTonowmedia.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip
0: back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetralt-Blay. welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another very special episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle. And I, uh, I get to welcome back another returnee guest. Um, listeners to my show, to the audio part before I hit the video side, um, will probably remember this guy from way back in episode 13, where we spoke um, as part of my uh, my Facebook fans. I was there when we talked about the live experiences. Um, this guy was on, and I had such a blast with him that we just had to bring him back and talk about something else so uh welcome back andrew lassell how you doing
0: not too bad glad to be here thanks for having me Good.
1: no no thank you for coming back and uh we've um we've got a topic you know anyone who's seen the video side can probably see a hint of what we are going to be discussing but um and what's been happening with you sort of since we last spoke the last sort of few months i think how things, how have things going
0: Yeah, things has been all right um here in Canada, we are deeply engrossed in the NHL playoffs, so I've been <laughs> really attentive to that. Cool. Uh, and also watching my professional wrestling, as I'm apt to do.
1: Awesome, awesome. And just to remind the guys that um, um, who may not have heard the first show, so, you know, do, do you keep up with the, the current product, or are you sort of a, just a stalwart old-school fan?
0: Well, I... I do keep up with it via, if you're on social media, it's pretty hard to avoid spoilers Mm. and people discussing it. As far as watching it, I'll watch Dynamite, uh, AEW Dynamite. I'll watch their pay-per-views. I'll watch Ring of Honor's pay-per-views. And usually I'll just have either Impact or Ring of Honor TV or OVW TV on in the background while I'm working in the living room. So I'll catch it every once in a while if I turn my head. Cool.
1: Cool. So it's it's uh, you, you grew up very much a bit like me really a, a fan of a certain era um, bygone era some people may say you know but I I, I still think back the 80s 90s anyone who listened to my show will know that that's that's the era that I really love talking about and and we've got a we've got a great topic to cover today because I I'm glad we're doing it now actually because it kind of makes it more fitting because June sort of beginning of the summer, always meant one thing for me when I was growing up, um, particularly for a few, you know, particular years um, was the King of the ring. You, you're kind of coming off of the still the kind of fallout from WrestleMania, one of my other favorite events. I, I was a great fan of the big five events. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going into SummerSlam and then in 1993, they added the fifth event in the middle, which, uh, which was King of the ring. And it was
0: um, much needed uh, because, just the four, especially in, in 93, it, mm. you needed something because you weren't having Hogan on TV weekly, no. yeah. uh, so you needed something to carry it. And plus, May sweeps, so they they would have the King of the Ring qualifying matches in yes. order to get the ratings.
1: Yeah. And do you think by the time it came around that they added in, I'll, I'll go over a little bit of the history of the King of the Ring just quickly in a second, but when they introduced it as a pay-per-view event in 93, do you think it was, it got to the point where spending sort of two or three months in between pay-per-views building storylines, do you think the scene had changed? That was kind of not really what they were doing or it it wasn't really the same market as it was years before?
0: Well, the fact of the matter is WCW kind of forced their hand because they had more pay-per-views plus they had Clash of the Champions specials Mm -hmm. and there was no longer any Saturday night's main events to bridge the gaps in between the big four. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of needed something. And it made sense for them to have King of the Ring because it was kind of like their bunkhouse stampede or their war games, where yeah. it was something for the house show audiences. But if you were a hardcore fan, you were familiar with it just from the PWI arena reports.
1: Mm-hmm. Quite. Right, and going back, so this is something I wasn't aware of. So when I was growing up, obviously my earliest memories of King of the Ring was the first one in 93. Um, I knew about it from the magazine review and, and sort of the, the the preview and everything before I actually got to see the event on VHS. So it was kind of a, an odd concept for me because I hadn't seen many tournaments, especially like one-night tournament events before then. But I didn't really know until later on that the king of the ring existed quite a number of years before like you say it was a house show event that they did going back and the first one was in 1985 i believe and some it's of the guys thing i I'm-
0: honestly feel is the the thing that the w network was made for and the fact that we keep getting ride-alongs and table for threes and yeah. all of this content that nobody cares about and king <laughs> of the ring specials are sitting there in in a box unseen it's yeah tragic
1: it must be because because the it is shot for a house here there must be they must have some record some recording of of all the events they did especially these
0: Well, they showed footage of the 86 one in in Harley Race's uh, video after he died when they had the video. So there is footage out there, and especially when they had the hidden gems on the network, and every Thursday they were revealing new ones, and every Thursday Mm -hmm. I'd be waiting. Is this the week that we get King of the Ring? Because there's no teaser. You didn't know what you were going to get. It never happened.
1: And I think because King of the Ring, really now, they've tried to revive it a couple of times I've seen. Again, I've not watched them, but I've seen through reports that they they tried to bring it back. It became more of a footnote, a a little bit comical, because they would do it on a Monday Night Raw or something. There isn't the appreciation for the history of it like there is some of the other events. So maybe if that comes back, yeah, maybe they will delve into the, the archives. But they've got a captive audience there. All the guys that watch the network, and like me and you, you know, just there waiting for it. So, you know, it's... um.
0: Yeah, I, but I I mean, like... even that said, I don't know if I would have the same type of rose-coloured glasses for the previous, well, couple of generations ago now, yeah. if it had the same presentation that modern WWE has with the mm-hmm. 73 camera cuts a minute. I, I wouldn't go back and watch King of the Ring 93 or watch... Challenger 96. If it had that type of neck-breaking type of action, just I was gonna.
1: I was gonna ask you actually. This is gonna come up a bit later on, but we might as well sort of might as well ask it now. Is if they were to bring it back, do you think it would have the same feel, or you know, would it have a draw to the current audience?
0: Well, it's kind of like how NXT brings back in your house, or mm. you know, they'll have some remnants of past stuff. And mm-hmm. it just winds up being so WWE-fied, like mm-hmm. you'll have legends from the past and they'll advertise that they'll be appearing on Raw and it will be a backstage segment where they dance. Yes. That's the mentality of the WWE. And yeah. I, I, it's impossible to get excited. Like I'm am a, I'm a sports fan and imagine being a fan of a team that lost in the first round every year in the playoffs you wouldn't care about the regular season because you know yourself that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until the playoffs and you don't believe until they actually do it. It's like, you're not yeah. going to swing for a strike until the pitcher proves that they're going to throw it down the middle.
1: Very true. Very true. Good point. Good point. I I feel, I think they tarnished the, um, the perception of King of the Ring by what they did in more recent years with it. Like I say, doing it as a throwaway on a Monday Night Raw when there was so much build up to it you know when
0: i honestly even if you look it. back to the king of the rings and i kind of feel like the intercontinental title tournament in 1990 after ultimate warrior vacated it was yeah. kind of like their test run for the yeah. king of the ring
1: yeah yeah could well be actually i mean looking around about that time so there wasn't a king of the ring in in uh, 1990 it was the only year they hadn't they didn't have one back then so they ran from 1985 to 89 and then the next one was 1991 and the 91 one i think was the first time i became that was the one i heard about that um made me realize there were more before 93 and i actually was, had
0: that on vhs when i used oh Trader. Really? yes that's
1: cool that's cool because that was won by Bret hart so yep. it, it you know makes you i think he was perfectly placed to win the 93 one after what happened at wrestlemania but maybe he had already proved in the 91 one that he was he, he could carry through a tournament, obviously, had a, a, a much better run. You know, you had much more credible um, opponents in 93 than the 91 one, but...
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if k 93 would be looked upon as fondly if the finals was bred right against IRS.
1: No, <laughs> not at all. But one interesting point, actually, in the 91 one is, I know he had to get substituted, but um, uh, Kerry Von Erich was meant to wrestle Bret Hart in the first round. Um, I can't think who the guy was. It, it, it's some sort of preliminary name, I think that replaced mm-hmm. him that Brett then beat in like 30 seconds in the first round. But that was meant to be the Texas Tornado. Which,
0: Interesting. Yeah, it, it, that's what I always liked about the idea of tournaments would be unusual matchups and mm-hmm. not to you know keep beating a dead horse about modern WWE. But that's one of the complaints that fans have is just constant rematches. It's guys yeah. being married to other guys or performers being. Per- married to other performers, and they never yeah. branch out and engage with anybody that they're not involved in a program with at that time. And at that, during the 91, 92, 93 era, you would occasionally get baby face versus baby face or heel versus heel. But there was a lot of matches involving people that didn't have feuds, which I, I didn't mind because it mm. had more of a, a sports presentation. You don't always yeah. face your rivals. Yeah, no, quite.
1: And you look back on, so going right back to the beginning, obviously, you know, Don Morocco was the first winner in 85. They had what was probably quite a rare sort of heel versus heel match in the final where he beat the Iron Sheik. You know, yeah, and, and I would have loved of, to
0: have seen it because, yeah, I've been revisiting uh 81 and 83 WWF, and Don Morocco is without question the MVP of that era. Yeah. Uh, he certainly falls off the cliff in 84, kind of has a dead cat bounce in 85 before completely being an afterthought in 87 or 86, 87 until his babyface turn, which he was just roided to the gills.
1: Yeah. See, I, I, my only real memory until sort of recent years, I suppose, of Don Morocco was 88 because the first time I saw him was SummerSlam and Survivor Series of that year. So I knew him as this sort of jacked up, um, Mm -hmm. fan favorite. And I, I, I couldn't get my head around the fact that he was so hated at one point.
0: Oh, he had the crowd in the palm of his hands and I'm not sure if it would have had the same effect if he was in a promotion that had a lot of talkers. Like, if you go watch Mid-Atlantic, they've got Blackjack Mulligan, Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, a lot of guys who can carry segments on the mic. But the WF wasn't about that. They were more about in-ring charisma as opposed to stickmen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think... With the height of like Hulkamania, that was you know cliche running wild at the time, I mean, yeah, you can see the direction they were going with the kind of like you say, in your face sort of characters in the ring. And I, he had, he had a good, um, yeah, looking back on this issue, Don Morocco, he had a good pairing because wasn't he was with Freddie Blassie and, and Mr. Fuji? And
0: uh, he was with Brand Wizard uh, initially Grand Wizard, sorry, yeah. for his first run in 81 when he won the Intercontinental title for the first time, and then when he came back in. Uh, either late '82 or early '83, he was managed by Albano. Mm. And I, the thing about '83 to eight, early '85, I wasn't watching at the time, so it's it's tough to to get a grasp on when people went with other managers because that was yeah. not unusual during that year to just see a wrestler all of a sudden have another manager without any storyline explanation. They were just it just mm. was presented that way and you just accepted it.
1: Yeah in the first so that so the first king of the ring you can kind of appreciate was a one night event you know and, and he came out on top you know nothing really noteworthy came of of that one that i can tell and then you got to 86 it was won by what like you mentioned earlier on harley race who was the one who turned it into a bit of a gimmick i didn't like his king gimmick i must admit but at least there was somewhere it started
0: that you could think it back to. also it was something that they did um mm. The older I get, the the more I realize with wrestling, it's all about TV time. If you're not on there, if you're not being presented and you're just working house shows or if you're on every few weeks, you're you're not factored in, you're, you're not a main player. It's yeah. like watching a TV show and let's say Seinfeld and this for a couple of weeks, Elaine's not on there. You start to wonder what's going on, Is she pregnant? <laughs>
1: So it gave them something. To, I mean, he, he, they carried that that whole King thing through as well. We could then pass to Haku, and then they he lost the crown to Jim Duggan. So it's sort of, you could see that thread going through. Um,
0: it was kind of like their version of the TV title, in a way. Yeah,
1: yeah, I suppose so. I, I remember watching on one of the early VHSs I had, there was, I think it possibly was the match where Jim Duggan won it from Haku. And I thought, how odd for them to be fighting over this, you know, the, the crown and the the carnation crown yeah it was was, and i think jim duggan was just i don't know his run was mainly possibly forgettable as the king it didn't seem to fit really but The
0: the thing about duggan is that he was the type of wrestler that every promoter would love to have a over baby face that isn't affected by losses yeah true yeah and he he was a good bridge between haku and savage <clears throat> but i do yes. find that the introduction of the million dollar belt kind of made the the crown and, and the kingship kind of feel passe at that point
1: yeah yeah that's a good point i never thought of that actually yeah it's said the, the the million dollar title i thought when i came into it because it was still around when i first started watching and i thought it was an actual cha- recognized championship i couldn't understand why people like virgil who won it were never credited with being a champion you know and yeah it's uh it's a good gimmick to have in it, really.
0: It is Just because it, it but it was the type of thing where it there was no long term future for a babyface holding it unless they were married to DiBiase in, in a feud yeah. because it, it's not a babyface title by any stretch right. of the imagination. So,
1: while the WWF was doing this whole king gimmick, which started really with Harley Race winning the tournament in 86, they had a couple more or say three more tournaments in 87, 88, 89, which didn't really have any bearing on that at all. And they were won by Randy Savage, who would eventually be recognized as the King. Ted DiBiase and Tito Santana. So, you know, again, some interesting choices. You can see, again, that this was really intended for a one night just just to make this house show once a year. Something yeah, special. Charlie,
0: I'm not sure if you are ever if you were ever aware of it, but they had a tag team steel cage battle royal on uh, on one show where okay. the order of elimination made the matches for the rest of the night. So if the Killer okay. Bees were eliminated first and the Heart Foundation were eliminated second, that would be the first match. That's and I always thought that was an interesting one too. Yeah, just, just for something different. I've
1: never no, no I've never heard about that. That's yeah. I mean, all that you you think about the amount of gimmick matches that have been around that they tried to hand that. The yeah, and they had a gauntlet
0: too. I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of that one. It was no, on
1: the I knew of the, I knew the gauntlet match sort of again later on towards the end of the '90s when they started doing it, but I didn't didn't realize. That yeah, it was like end, a, so. a
0: long set of guys. There were like 20 guys in it. Like oh, wow! Pedro Morales had like a three-run stretch where he he won three matches, and then he gets beat by Big John Studd, who has like a, a few matches where he wins, and then yeah, it, it was a really neat concept. But King of the Ring was certainly amongst those as far as house show angle shows. Yeah. And it made and, sense for that to be the first pay-per-view outside of the big four.
1: So five of those six as well, interestingly enough, were all held in the same place. Sort of after the first one, the next five were held in the Providence Civic Center, I believe, in, in Rhode Island, which again, you can see why it'd be a recurring thing. Similar time of year, September, October, I think they were, they put them out. It's, it's a good thing to kind of build a, a show. Yeah, and, and honestly,
0: to go back to those winners that you mentioned, mm. Morocco kind of made sense because he was feuding with Steamboat in 85. Race made sense because he was new to the territory and they want mm. to give him the king gimmick. Savage will always make sense. DiBiase main heel. Tito is the I real know. odd one in that. Especially, Especially in, 89. in
1: 89. Exactly, yeah, because, because he, was be very much, in 89. he was very much mid-card. Yeah, fair enough. He beat Rick Martel in the finals, so it had some relevance, mm. I suppose. But, again, there was nothing that was built up to something like that or even came of it.
0: Just, and yeah, and that's the like, fact. The fact that they never referenced it yeah. made house shows feel so inconsequential. Like I remember mm-hmm. watching the, the weekly TV where they would always have the event center discussing house shows. Yeah. And you couldn't help but think, I watched the weekly TV. I know that Dino Bravo is going to be wrestling Ken Batera at the Monkton Coliseum on mm-hmm. Thursday, May 13th. But I also know that they never referenced it. They never no. talked about anything with the odd MSG and that was only once in a while like rarely did they ever mention anything that happened that wasn't on superstars challenge hell they didn't even mention anything that was on primetime
1: no I think at that event center actually I've been kind of I forgot about that until I started watching some of these old shows back and they they've kept them in there and it was it was an interesting thing like say they were discussing matches that Hardly anyone else that's probably watching that or a good percentage of people watching that wouldn't see and then they wouldn't actually tell you what happened. You know, it's get it, yeah, it had no bearing on what was happening, what you were watching. Yeah, it was kind of like
0: non canon. Yeah. But it, it was something that as a fan you enjoyed because those types of matches between named superstars mm. didn't happen that often except for your odd exactly. feature match, which was usually telegraphed. Like you could tell that a keen was probably gonna beat Coco Beware. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. But because it wasn't Akeem against Jim Powers or Chris Duffy, yeah. you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in this now. Yeah. So
1: then we, we bring it more up to, to obviously, I think which is more relevant to this is is when King of the Ring really kind of exploded, when they decided in 93, they were going to put it out as a, give it its whole its own pay-per-view.
0: Um, Be- actually, before we discuss King of the Ring 93, Chris, I actually had a yeah. question for you. Go on fantasy book what do you think happens if they did king of the ring 92 a year before they did king of the ring 93 following the same template of king of the ring 93 and, and future king of the rings which means no champions in the tournament who do you have going over and who do they go over in the finals
1: it all depends really when it occurred June,
0: to yeah,
1: june okay
0: 92. So it wouldn't
1: be Brett. See, my natural choice would have been Bret Hart at that point because I think he was. He was maybe I would say then possibly Shawn Michaels.
0: That's what I was thinking as well.
1: Yeah, I think Perfect. they would go with
0: sean and I, I think that <clears throat> with sean it would be kind of like when Owen won. Not to get too mm. far in the future, where they reference the the crown and and the robe more so yeah. than Brett because Brett wins the king, and. He puts it on after he wins, and then he never has that World no. War crown on ever again.
1: No, he doesn't take the gimmick on. They reference it at SummerSlam that year because he had that that match with with Joey Lawler. But that was, yeah, that was, that was it. Apart from noting it as an achievement when they rattled off all of his title wins, I suppose, later on. I
0: it think added, he would have been uh, HBK, Heartbreak King. HB
1: King, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Wow, that would have stuck. And he, he yeah, he could have had the crown in in sort of in the hearts on his yeah. Yeah, with the
0: hearts, yeah, it would have been great. I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think he would definitely be up there. Who he would face in the final would probably be debatable. I'm not sure. Maybe someone like the bulldog.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends what they're doing with SummerSlam. I mean, if, yeah. If, if well, I mean, it does make sense. So they do tend to like to have somebody lose before they win a title so that they have a ready-made yeah. Angle for after that, which they wind up doing with Sean anyway. Yeah, boy. yeah,
1: but I, I would, I've never thought about King. Even looking through this, I've never thought about what if they did it in '92. Yeah, that we been. Nice well, it's years. funny because I was
0: watching a lot of superstars from '92, and they had a completely different direction. It seemed like the company was going before they changed the location of SummerSlam. Mm. It seemed like where they were going was Brett and Sean They were going with Papa Shango and mm. Ultimate Warrior. That they were yeah. gonna go with Savage Flair in a rematch. That mm. it, Davy Boy and Repo Man even had uh, right. an angle going on. Yeah, and then everything changed. Like nope, all that stuff that we've been building yeah. towards, how show, Just how show.
1: Yeah, that's it. I remember having I, I was given a a, a VHS again by someone we knew had taped a load of prime time and All American Wrestling and that. And yeah, those those angles. I remember the Bulldog and Repo Man one, and then it never never came to anything. And that yeah. would have been quite, as much as I didn't think Repo Man was that exciting back then, that was a good um, a good feud they were building up there, really. Yeah,
0: it, it's like I mentioned before, if you're on TV, take advantage of the time that they give yeah. you, regardless of how much time. And Repo Man kind of did that, because I don't see too many people referencing Lance Cassidy, but people <laughs> will reference Repo Man.
1: Yeah, exactly, it's memorable, absolutely. You know, whether it's the look of him or what, some people think it's, it's Hammy, fair enough it was, but... You know, he got a he got a shot, and he, he got on these big pay-per-views. You know, back then as well. So there must have been something in it. He was he was a he was a good heel to have some of your your upcoming babyface to bounce off of.
0: I think he, uh, he was. Now going back to '93, uh, were you watching uh, at the time the the TV? Were you watching? No, uh,
1: I oh. I was literally just seeing the um the pay-per-views, and they got the magazines. That's really my point of reference. Yeah.
0: Okay, so, yeah, it must have been really weird seeing, a, like, where did this Mr. Hughes come from?
1: Yeah, see, I, I knew, kind of knew of him from sort of WCW back then, because I mm-hmm. started to follow it, so I, I know he was there. But, yeah, it's like, why is he why is he there? How did he get into the King of the Ring, firstly? Because there was no reference in the magazines to the qualifying oh, qual-
0: matches. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. So I had no idea of sort of what went on again until I've done research in sort of more recent years. <laughs>
0: Have you watched the Mr. Perfect Doink series?
1: Yes, I have. So yeah. good. It's good. It's one that didn't excite me while I was watching the pay per view, and they they were ref- they did reference that one where he um he had to wrestle Doink three times, and I thought, Christ, I don't know, if I <laughs> sit through three of those, let alone, you know, one of those, let alone three. But yeah, no, it was. It, the well, I mean, it if you really could, think about it, it's thing.
0: criminal that Doink probably <laughs> one of the MVPs of the first half of the year. Yeah. Had two pay-per-view matches and only one of them were advertised.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, within he sort of crept in. These match against Brett and SummerSlam, I quite quite like that. But that, that was Lawler know?
0: and Brett. Doink was a surprise. I love yeah. the, the Doink yeah. and Brett stuff, but yeah. the fact that you have this really hot heel mm. and he's not on the card for King of the Ring. No before SummerSlam, you think he's not there, and then the next thing you know, he's gone from the he company. Wasn't.
1: Yeah, I, I I do think um the point of The Rumble shirt should sure have used him. them. Do oh, sorry?
0: Is it the Rumble shirt should have used them for some much needed star power in that rumble.
1: Yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> um I think when Matt Bourne stopped being Doink in the Doink, that's when he really became just a real sort of wrestle crap kind of um, <sighs> I think, you know, it was it was good as a heel in some respect, but I, I do much prefer Matt Bourne, that sort of sadistic. Oh, as
0: opposed to the Ray yeah. Apollo or, I, I don't know. Yeah, what it's Ray, right. yeah Babyface Doik is, is awful. It's absolutely yeah. the worst thing. He
1: had an edge as a as a bad guy, really, because it was just one of those things you shouldn't boo a clown, <laughs> you know, you didn't like... Right, and I,
0: I think if Matt Bourne would have been the babyface, I think it would have gotten over, kind of like Undertaker as a babyface. You may yeah. not have thought, oh, how's a dead guy going to get over as a babyface? But yeah. I think Matt Bourne could have made Doink work as a babyface, targeting heels like Bam Bam Lol or that.
1: Part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, actually, that I, I quite liked... I, I was quite entertained with Bam Bam Bigelow back here. And again, we'll, we'll, we will reference him in a bit because he was a massive part of the first um, pay-per-view anyway. And um, I, I love seeing the fuse that he was in, but the Doink one, I kind of thought, how did it stretch on that long? How did it go from Survivor Series pretty much through to WrestleMania and still hold
0: substance well i mean if you if you think about it jake the snake roberts and andre the giant i think their feud started in october of 88 and then climaxed at wrestlemania 5 so it was a time when you could stretch things just by giving people a little taste it helps when you don't have three hours of tv a week on one show and then two hours on another one
1: absolutely yeah and that might be one of the reasons why concepts like this would probably not do as well Nowadays yeah, I mean, because you don't do get just... nasty
0: boys every week on TV, but no. you know, the third or fourth week when they're on there, you're reminded, oh yeah, they exist. And yeah. So you could exactly. conceivably stretch out angles and feuds.
1: Exactly. So let, let's let's get in and let's talk about the '93 one. We can bounce around. We don't have to do this chronologically, mm-hmm. but this is kind of where I wanted to start digging into the the pay per view side because naturally, it was the first one. It's the first one I remember. Um, just get your opinion really on which year was your favorite when it was a oh,
0: 93, 93. Okay. There's no, there's no contest. Um, even if you looked at it uh, from a kayfabe sense, who did Brett beat in the first round?
1: But Razor Ramon. In
0: this one. Who did Owen beat in the finals?
1: Ah, yeah. I made these links as well. I thought that was, that was great. You know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's good to show it's where Razor Ramon progressed over that year as well by getting to the final, but yeah, that link where you know the Hart brothers both did it yeah and, and uh, owen
0: just does it not quite as impressively as that no, so it, it, it works within the the story that they were telling
1: it does it does i, I think looking at the later years the, the star power you had actually in the tournament at the 93 one far surpassed any others um 94 well, there was, was multiple
0: winners that you could envision it's kind of like exactly. any given year with a rumble they're there's 30 men entered, but usually there's at maximum six guys that you could envision mm-hmm. mainly benching the mania. As soon as they made that the stipulation, it mm-hmm. really took away some of the intrigue. You weren't going to have another Big John Stud victory.
1: No, but, that's true. No. But
0: with King of the Ring, by not having it until 95, of course, with it was just pretty much its own thing. There was the possibility that, hey, maybe this, maybe they are going to put Mr. Hughes over and make him a yeah. big monster heel to face Undertaker. Maybe yeah. Duggan will have a big redemption arc. Although, honestly, he was the guy that had the, the smallest chance of winning.
1: Yeah, yeah. The interesting, I mean, the Bret Hart run, again, a massive, massive Bret Hart fan. So I absolutely love seeing the story he tells or the story they tell through that tournament with him, I think is, I watched the event a couple of weeks ago again, and I absolutely love it. Because, again, the, the commentary as well, Bobby Heenan does a great job of just telling everyone how banged up he is by the final, you know, all these injuries that he's accrued through the night, through his three matches. And the fact that you think of Brett as the underdog in the final.
0: Uh, it, you, know, you do. And also what I love about it, and to a lesser extent, the, the next year, is that it, it had a sense of attrition because you had... Yeah. First round, second round, semifinals, yeah. finals. As soon as they made it so that it was just the semifinals and finals, yeah. it didn't seem like as big of a deal. And I get it, Austin three sixteen says, you know, I was, we just would draft. I was,
1: I was going to say exactly that. Um, it is, is I was so disappointed when in ninety six because again, I really, really looked forward to the King of the Ring. I loved when that they used to start with the qualifying matches and everything, and then when I learned that actually only the semis. And the final going to be, I was like, what's the point of having an event called King of the Ring when actually only three matches?
0: It's like Survivor Series 92, when you only have one Survivor Series match. Yeah. Can you can call the show Survivor Series? It's,
1: it's just, you're just literally clinging on to the name and making some, you know, that's that's when it really did start to, to, I was always interested in it, but it started to lose, you know, it wasn't special anymore after that yeah yeah
0: so plus you had the introduction of the in-your-houses so it really
1: just watered, watered down, down the, yeah. the
0: concept of pay-per-views so there was yeah. only a couple of years where king of the ring was one of the big five after that big 12
1: that, uh, yeah but um, one of the interest the other interesting points uh, one of the other interesting things in the 93 one that i quite like is the match with tatanka and lex luger because they were both undefeated Hmm. And it's like, okay, one of them is going to get beat. Who would it be? And then obviously they kind of did out with a draw anyway.
0: You know, um, if anybody ever complains that Brock Lesnar was the one to end Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, just remind them that at least they did something with Brock Lesnar. They had to Tatanka undefeated for like two and a half years, and yeah. Ludwig Borgen never wrestled the match on pay per view after he beat. Uh, no. So, well, actually, no. He had the Survivor he Series.
1: That was it. I know he got injured. I I I quite like um, hearing the story of what was supposed to happen with him, um, had he not got injured, because he was meant to, the Undertaker was meant to win the title at the Royal Rumble. Ludwig Borger was meant to beat the Undertaker for the title in between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and then go on to WrestleMania to face Lex Luger. Well, See, sorry. I don't know if that would
0: have worked. It's kind of like... Uh, it wouldn't have been as n- good. In in Mick Foley's book, when he talked about Mark Merrow getting a large contract and Austin and him being very bitter about it, because they were higher up in WCW than Johnny Mm -hmm. B. Badd was, and you're pretty much paying for potential. And and with Borga, those plans that you're mentioning, I never saw that in in the presentation of Borga. I didn't see that world beater. There's guys that are undeniable that you see that, charisma that they have, you see that the reaction that they get from crowds, yeah. and if you don't push them, you need to get fired, you need to lose your job. Whereas yeah. with Gorga, it was your... I'm not saying he was forced, but he could have just as easily been a berserker type push. Yeah, I mean, The fans wouldn't have been calling for the heads of Pat Patterson and
1: no. Tony no, Greer. would have fit, still would have been yeah believable in a sense. How, as well how are they going to justify him beating the undertaker when at that point nobody else could really you know
0: well i mean it in that era there was a lot of hokiness i mean Mm. look how yoko beat him he beat him with the lead of 28 million people so anything's (laughs) possible
1: the point I absolutely love, and again, I was reminded of this the other day, is during that match at the Royal Rumble, what, they got like 10, 15 guys out there beating on The Undertaker? Not Taker's one... the biggest
0: dick in the world. Nobody, yeah, no God,
1: but not, yeah, exactly. Not one person came down. You know, the the amount of fan favourites backstage, not one of them came out.
0: So. Well, it's kind of like how Jesse used to say on commentary, what's the point of having Elizabeth, you know? She's not <laughs> going to help. <laughs>
1: No, yeah. that's, that's absolutely. I mean,
0: what's the point of having Paul Bear? He's just going to look at the urn.
1: <laughs> but they were, you know, they fit. They fit. They were back then. You didn't need to know that they were going to get involved in that sense. Really.
0: Yeah, It, it worked. I mean, yeah, Taker yeah. stuff was all, it always kind of felt separated from the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Um, but King of the Ring 93, I, I, I loved the fact that it kind of was like, a better version of wrestlemania 4 in that you had non-tournament matches that yeah had some intrigue either titles or angles and including uh, a world title change at the very first king of the ring
1: yeah that's pretty big so let's let's talk about the undercard then and, and um i thought as undercards go on these king of the rings this was probably the strongest as well
0: easily well i guess you can make a case for 98 how you feel about the hell on the soul
1: We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> you know, I I didn't feel at the time. I mean, that moment. Obviously, it is, it, that whole event is only going to be remembered really for that one. Or, yeah, that one match. But that moment, that time just stopped. I think for everyone, and, like something real has just gone down there. But they're carrying on with it. You know, what else is going to happen? Um, I don't know. I I'm not as massively taken by it as a lot of people are. And
0: Same. Uh, I'm not into the stunt shows. I want to
1: watch professional. No, that's it. And I think as as the event goes, as King of the Ring goes, it it really did. The tournament wasn't really that strong anyway, but it just it nobody detracted. even remembers. I just, I was trying to think now of who won it. <laughs> um right. <laughs> Shamrock right, won it. Yeah, and a good did final.
0: With
1: as... A good final with him and The Rock. Really, it was again a sign of that time. A, probably a perfect final. You know that they could there'd been a story brewing there since the year before anyway with those two. Was, and just the fact the that
0: was the last guy to use the crown and the robe after it really spelled okay. doom for the Ring concept.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know Triple H, he should have done, really. He he wore he it in that, didn't he, after it. And he, it really, really just fit, but then he went on to a few months later, um, yeah, you know, DX, so it really didn't fit him with that, I suppose. But that had he won it in 96 like he was supposed to, he would've carried that through.
0: I think so because at that point he was I don't know. I've I've always found uh Triple H a boring Steve Riedel uh impersonator. Mm. I, I thought if I might I'd rather watch a better version of what he's yeah. trying to do than ever watch Paul Levin. Yeah, It uh, was
1: it was a little more over the top it was it was kind of a, it was a bit of a muted character i felt but it was a little more over the top and exaggerated than steve Rebus oh it, you could kind he would of have just...
0: absolutely had the crown and mm. it, if not for sharemark it would have felt like a a heel heavy pay-per-view not counting Brett, yeah. Of course. yeah they needed to show that they need to have that to just add some intrigue in that it's not yeah. going to be a heel win every year but the fact that they don't do anything with it afterwards kind of mm. makes it feel like you could have just called this best
1: wrestler of the night tournament yeah yeah i i 93 it had that that real sort of passion about it um hot crowd too
0: hmm? a yeah. hot crowd too like it, yeah no crowd was it? into it
1: yeah okay before we go into 94 is it is a question then something i was thinking mm-hmm. about so uh, back then um so the first two years the the title match was sandwiched right in the middle of the card pretty much so it wasn't the the, the closer you know they in a way reserved that spot for the final they did have a little bit of a um a, a black mark oh don't forget lawler and
0: piper yeah
1: yeah it's probably best forgotten um <laughs> but they you know what's your thinking of of putting the, the world title match in that position in the middle you know was it a good thing to do or should they have left it to the end
0: no, I think it, it it worked because it made the King of the Ring the the, the thing that was special. It's Kind of like yeah. Survivor Series 91. You have Taker beating Hogan, but it's not the last thing that the fans yeah. see. Yeah. It's still a match in the middle of a, a bigger thing. It, it was like how I always thought Royal Rumble, was it 97 when Sean and Sid ended it instead so, of the Rumble? Yeah, yeah. Bullocks, as you guys would say. (laughs) I
1: love it. But in 96, they did that with Bretton the Undertaker. Yeah, and that was uh, also
0: awful. It it was, yeah. You can't follow a rumble with a match. No, the crowd I can't imagine the type of match that it would have to be in order to follow a rumble. And anything short of somebody being set on fire, it's not going to have a crowd on their (laughs) feet like they are at five, four, three, two. No, that's it. And by
1: that point, I mean, the fans are probably exhausted after seeing an hour long Royal Rumble. They're not going to be into. I mean, the 97 title match wasn't great anyway. You know, the Brett take one at least had a little bit of intrigue in it.
0: Yeah, uh, but it's still, it, it had the same feel of a, an exhausted crowd watching yeah. two wrestlers try to get something out of a crowd that's just not, not having yeah. it. And King of the Ring had the right idea. You don't have that monster pop for Brett if, or so you don't have that same reaction for a Yoko title win at the no. end of calendar 93 and yeah. i don't know if there would be, have been a calendar 94 if that would have been the last thing that fans would have seen
1: maybe not that's an interesting thought you know could that have been the only standalone one i think that everything about 93 was was perfect i i cannot fault that one at all and the fact that hogan lost the title just put the cherry on the cake really because you know it was a good time to do it you know they were bringing brett forward again after kind of I understand why they probably took the belt off him at WrestleMania, but the way that it was that I, I kind of think, you know, he had a good run, but they were trying to get over. I mean, Vince has always had this thing about monster heels, I suppose, and they had one they had to make, but they made him a and break, and broke him and one fell swoop. Cause I yeah, don't really well, think that
0: I would have no problems with Yoko beating Brett. If he would have just stayed a, a monster heel and then Brett, you know eventually gets his win back the yeah. following year and I honestly think the Luger thing works in Brett's favor it's kind of like with Daniel Bryan the whole yes movement would it have had the same impact at Wrestlemania 30 if mm. they wouldn't have given him so many start stop pushes before yeah with mm. Brett it was the same thing at, by Royal Rumble 94 there was no way that crowd was going to cheer for Luger over Brett because no. Brett was their guy
1: they they've done that but you know they they had a perfect chance to kind of launch Lex Luger and and try him as world champion at SummerSlam. I never The the, the
0: fact that people, you know, bitch about modern WWE booking, it's not a new thing. They've always had issues with, if you want to get somebody over, you can't just take the rug out from them. You have to go full throttle and you get Luger over by having him beat Yoko. But as soon as he celebrates a count at win, you've made him impotent and the fans will never buy him.
1: I, I still cannot understand why that warranted such a win. You know, I saw the front page of the magazine. Obviously, I didn't know. So I saw the front page of the magazine when it when the review came out and I thought he'd won the belt because it's just like him on the style shoulders and you know it's No. He's just you know yeah, someone else.
0: It, it was the era of the dumb baby face, the, the yeah, true. would always Was that three? Was three <laughs> <And, laughs> And that's why fans love Brett, because Brett was never presented as a dumb babyface. He was in the no. same company with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers and yeah. people who celebrate count it, wins like it's a world title win. So he <laughs> always had that believability, and he always felt like the, the home team. And so yeah. crowds I, – I, I'm sick of people saying that Brett was only over in Canada or Germany. Brett was over yeah. wherever he went. Everywhere, uh,
1: yeah.
0: Fans bought him, and they bought into – the, the Bret Hart story. If, if Bret was in a match, people weren't on their way to the concession stand. They realized, okay, this is something I'm going to pay attention to. And yeah. that's why having him go three separate matches, three different matches, including mm. the middle one, which is the best night, best match yeah. of the night. Absolutely. To
1: have that, to have a, a rematch of, of Bret and Mr. Perfect, as, I mean, some people probably could have looked at the brackets and thought, well, it's a possibility. But there's no way that they would, Put that in there. There's no way at that point they would have them facing each other, surely, because they're both good guys. And it didn't really happen all that much there. Well, yeah, especially,
0: then, especially after that cock tease of WrestleMania Four with the Savage and Steamboat, like it could happen. But exactly. Yeah.
1: It doesn't. It doesn't. And you kind of think you've you've had Bretton Perfect. Then and it's not going to happen again. And I mean, that was a that was a a, um, a final worthy match. Really, it I mean, was. If that had been the final. That would have been amazing.
0: Although you run the risk of splitting the crowd.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And I've I don't think I was as invested in a King of the Ring final as much as I was with Brett and Bam Bam because it was typically you want Brett to win, at least I did. But when he's against Bam Bam Bigelow, who's only wrestled once, you know, they had that perfect um bit in the middle where he didn't have to wrestle that second match. You don't you you know, he's got a mountain to climb to, to beat this guy. And then there's again that false finish where you think Bam Bam's won it.
0: And Yeah, heels get buzzed. Baby faces do not get buys, no. and and any tournament where you have a baby face getting a buy, then the booker doesn't know what they're doing. You might as well have the baby faces win the coin toss on at award at a games.
1: <laughs> like they do, like. They do. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so then we let's move on to '94 then, because um, I, I feel these first two are really the ones that, that should have set the pace for the King of the Ring being more massive than it was. I mean, when you watch these first two shows, two letdowns for 94 for me.
0: Well, how much does The Ring 94 weigh, do you know? I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, if you remember, uh, the commentator, Art Donovan, was very curious about the weight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I remember. See, that was going to be, that's one of my letdowns. Is, firstly, Lola Piper. I, I don't even know if we'll waste any time on this show discussing that one too much because it was awful the finish was awful they had a good story everything about it offer. was bad yeah they neither one i think should have been anywhere close a finishing match on
0: that yeah so. that would have been like k '93. the last match have been either crushing sean or the yeah. eight man tag match it didn't make yeah. any sense because it yeah. it, it wasn't a hot enough angle to warrant being the final match. Like if no. you're gonna do that, do Bretton Diesel. But I get you can't do that considering what happens. In the
1: exactly. Playoffs. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they 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 made they. Apart from that last match, again, they had pretty much a perfect card in my opinion. But Art Donovan, is the one thing that ruins that entire show. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but why? You got to ask why. Uh, you know, why.
0: My um. My my better half is the type of person who really likes watching bad movies, whereas I'm not. I I feel if I'm going to sit in front of a screen for any amount of time, it has to be worth it. I I, I don't feel that life is long enough to watch bad things. So I I'm not one of these. Oh, it's so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's bad. Art Donovan's commentary <laughs> brings that whole show down.
1: I just who I mean obviously yes. Vince obviously had something to do with it, but why bring a guy in who clearly has no idea about what he's got to talk about? You know know why I,
0: I honestly believe? Go on. You're not getting... 100% 100% of Vince's brain and capacity because he kind of was preoccupied with, um, with something else. True, that yeah, era.
1: yeah. There was something going on at that point, I suppose. But
0: So I, I yeah, honestly so. think that there was a lot of misses during that era just because yeah. you're, you're not getting his full concentration. Now, as an excuse for the year after, I don't know if you have
1: <laughs> one, 95, just start to finish. I did a whole show on 95 at the beginning of this podcast when I started it because it is... It's, but there's so much to cover that was wrong.
0: It's, it's the worst it's, show I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. So you compare that. I mean, you compared '94 to '93. The tournament itself, it was strong. You still had guys like Razor and Bam Bam Bigelow. It's just unfortunate that Bam Bam just got taken out so early.
0: Also, and, the match of the night was in the second round.
1: Which would be
0: Owen and One Two Three Kid. That was yeah. the best sub five minute match in the history. I was going to say, don't
1: say Razor and IRS because. but yeah no it was good um and the way again they were building up the one two three kid as you know would he even come out because he's got an injury from the first one and then he comes out he's like a hero so again you wonder whether he could do the upset again which would set up a final with razor ramon which would have been quite good be it was good. a very
0: well-booked show in that yeah. you could can, there were several conceivable ways that they could go in the finals
1: mm, Yeah. And the – I mean, the way they did it and putting Owen over was perfect for that timeline. Again, I did a show about 94, and the one thing that is my favourite throughout that whole year is the Bretton Aaron because it just carries through. There was a thread that goes through the entire middle of that year, and it's them. It carried week. the whole promotion. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Like, Other than the latter match at Mania, which was really just a one off because yeah. after that, it t- transitions to Diesel. Diesel, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so, but yeah. That 94
0: is... is the Brett Noen show. <clears throat> it it's was Backlund, yeah. I guess, in the latter half of the year.
1: Yeah, that was a. I don't understand. I still don't understand how he got into that position,
0: really. Well, have you seen the Superstars match?
1: Is that the one, like the first one they had? The yeah, Hill, where Bachelin
0: turns heel. Yeah. Yeah. That it's... is. A low-key match to the year candidate. That, that along with mm. Brett against Kid. Yes. And Mania against Owen. And you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the cage match at some, but I mean Brett was on fire all year. He was. That
1: that cage match I thought was it's a shame they they decided to really end the Brett Owen bit there. I know it carried on a little bit afterwards, but sort of as far as the main event thing, because they brought the family into it and there was more that could be done. I mean, if he wasn't defending the title at Survivor Series, they could have had a really cool Survivor Series match.
0: I think the only way it would have worked is if you reverse Nightheart and Davy Boy, because uh, Davy Boy would have more cachet for the crowds as far as being a big bad, whereas Nightheart had a lot of history with Brett, but nobody was going to buy the anvil beating Brett. People could have bought Bulldog, especially considering what happened two years before
1: absolutely yeah and they kind of teased that well, in, in a way i know jerry Lawler when he interviewed the bulldog in the crowd that night he referenced that straight away so you kind of think oh you know yeah maybe maybe and unfortunately the match they had eventually at the end of 95 in your house oh. just again uh, i got i did grow tired of the bulldog by that point the heel bulldog in 95 didn't do anything for me eventually it, it didn't have you you never thought he was going to win the belt so why did they keep giving him a shot you
0: know but well it weird. was he he was a good b-show contender mm. he he wasn't going to carry a mania or a summer slam but no. you know the, these other pay-per-views that they have are contractually obligated with the cable companies to have he mm. he fills that niche pretty pretty nicely without yeah. wasting a uh a 10-port a challenge.
1: Yeah, true, true, true. So what do you reckon of the, the undercard? I'm not going to do this with every single one, but I think the undercard to 94 was quite strong. It was. Um, with Bre- I mean, Brett Diesel, when I saw that first advertised, it was another one of those heels against Brett Hart that I thought, oh my God, they could actually take him apart. You know, it could be quite... A, I know, it should, as a kid, you really do fear for these guys. But um I thought, yes, there's someone there that could really probably taper out um it,
0: it was honestly it was my first it was the first time throughout kevin nash's career where i didn't just view him as just a, a, a lanky mm. wrestler who existed uh because mm. I, I i was a wcw fan so i did see him in the master blasters as oz as Vinny right, Vegas, yeah. and when he first came in as diesel and he was just very there he was unimpressive he was kind of like diamond stud before he you know, found his way. Yeah. Yeah. Diesel at the rumble certainly made an impression to the point where they now have the diesel spot pretty much every year, every other year, one of the rumbles Yeah, and him against Brett, Brett made him kind of like how Brett has made so many other wrestlers. He made him credible and you, you bought it within the context of the match. Maybe not the, the build, maybe even, uh, people beforehand they thought okay well this is just a guy but mm. brett in the context of the match made you believe that okay this guy's for real
1: exactly yeah and there was points in that especially again i really like the ending the fact that he got the jackknife on them, and you would never know whether brett would have kicked out and they carried that through for the next 18 months
0: it worked yeah because it, he brett gave him the match of his career at survivor's yeah. 95 In, in my some people may prefer uh, Good Friends, Better Enemies, or Bitter Enemies, but uh, I'm a Survivor 695.
1: fan. I, I, I think that's the best one, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, again, I think it's the one with the better ending. Again, being a big, yeah. big Bret Hart fan always was going to be, but it was just like that. You know, you wondered all year whether... Oh, plus how... the ending was
0: more in question. I never I never thought Diesel was beating Sean one month after Sean wins the title. No. I didn't think Brett was going to beat Diesel. In, no. in Survivor Series
1: 95. No, that's that's true. and I, um, I think because they built Diesel all the way through 95, you kind of thought, well, who's going to beat him and how? Because he does seem to be sort of unstoppable in a sense.
0: You yeah. know, It, it and, felt like they were gunning for Diesel Michaels at maybe a yeah. 12, a rematch, but this time maybe with the roles reversed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, I've my one of my favourite matches of all time, that Iron Man match. So I think nothing will ever compare in my mind to putting that one on um yeah I don't know it wouldn't have been as good a way for michaels to have realized that boyhood dream really
0: true yeah he needed to beat the guy that the fans viewed as the guy and absolutely Diesel's reign nobody viewed him as the guy
1: no which which brings us on I mean one other point about the 94 one actually it was the first time that I saw the head Shrinkers as champions and as good guys which was really odd to me you know having seen them for the rest of you know some sort of vicious heel team so and, and then,
0: they of course wrestled the uh, the third head shrinker
1: they did yes yeah I've seen pictures of um, of Yokozuna as Kokina and when he had tryouts in the WWF in that same Samoa gear it's it's, it's interesting to think how things could have been different had they just slotted him into that team. Uh, but, uh,
0: it, I'm sure he's glad that they decided to go. Absolutely, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that was, a, that was a semi-decent match, you know, with, with Yokozuna and Crush. It, it's never believable, I think, that they were going to lose the belts to him. But um, how the mighty fall, like, I think, from 93 for Yokozuna to, to that match in 94
0: but yeah but that's really the story of the promotion i mean look at king mm-hmm. kong bundy he main events mania 2 and mania in mania 3s and uh yeah
1: it, it's a, a gimmick match really isn't it yeah, yeah yeah so so let's let's bring us on to what is in my opinion anyway the worst regardless of these other these other ones that they've done later on that don't really mean much 95 is dire
0: i don't want to count covid era pay-per-views because no. that's just uh that they deserve their own category but yeah. as far as like pay-per-views with crowds mm-hmm. i've never seen a worse one uh yeah. from the booking to the matches to the everything was mm-hmm. off about k 95. and yeah. when i was a tape trader that was probably the most requested tape i had and i had to watch that multiple times for people and <laughs> i hated every one of them that requested <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's, it was just an odd one. I think this is when it started, the, the brackets of the tournament started to get weaker. Um, yeah, he had IRS in there again, but he didn't really do much the year before. Savio um, Vega, obviously, yeah, we know he was quang, but he didn't really have really proven himself at that point. Shawn Michaels was in it.
0: Yeah, Shawn Michaels, I Undertaker. That. I mean, yeah. the, way the, the way the brackets looked, it looked like in a best-case scenario you have two of your most over acts in the company meet in the finals. And instead mm-hmm. you have Mabel against Savio Vega. Yeah. And pe- people still kept their jobs, how?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you have the you get to the semis, you know? It was just...
0: it was just a total yeah. gong show. And I've seen, and here's, here's the thing, I, people be genuine and you can tell it's not being snarky. They're not being mm-hmm. ironic. People genuinely have a fondness for Chandler 95 and 95 WF because that's when they get into it and they can't Mm. stand back and and just look at it objectively and say every other year was better. There was no year worse than 95.
1: Yeah. I've got a soft spot for it in a way because it was the first year that I started to be able to watch the weekly shows. So I remember a lot more about it from that, but I also remember the fact that, yeah, like you say, compared to either side, it it was content wise was just dire. It really was. The, the guys that they were pushing, I think the one notable thing about that year for me, again, that I mentioned in the show I did about 95, was the fact that Bret Hart spent the entire year in the mid-card, taking on new guys, Harkushi and John Pierre Fee and um, Isaac Yankum as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, what were they doing with him? They ended it well, but why was he there? You know, why Honestly, he I, I think problem? it's
0: because you, it would be like when Bob Backlund was the champion, you can't have Bruno Sammartino in a match right before Bob Backlund. Mm -hmm. You had to have Bruno and Bob separated by quite a few matches in between or in other cities at the same Mm -hmm. night. When you have Bret Hart in your company and then you have Diesel as champion, people are like, why? Why why is this? Why why are are you force-feeding Diesel, who's – not over, who was over beforehand, but as soon as you make him smiley and change yeah. the character... No,
1: it's... It just, it's, it's not the same, is it? If they put the belt on Diesel as a heel, maybe in 94, it's a bit, completely different story. Yeah, people would have yeah. invested a bit more in it, I think.
0: Sure, even to if see you him have the, the Diesel character from late 95 a 96, or yeah. WCW, Kevin Nash, I think yeah. the fans would have absolutely gravitated towards it because Nash, for all of his Inability, or whatever you want to say about him, there's no denying the fact that he comes across as cool. No, and he did not as Diesel. That's the only time in his career at at, at that point where he was not cool. No, how no. do you do that? You do that through bad <laughs> creative and an yeah. out of touch man who is still in charge. <laughs> <laughs> but the,
1: the odd, really odd thing about 95 for me is there were so many changes around. So I, I turn my back for one minute and I get a glimpse of either one of the magazines or I even got a glimpse of uh, a Monday Night Raw or something and Shawn Michaels is a good guy, which was good, I, I enjoyed that, Sid is back he's at the top of the card as well, Bam Bam Bigelow is a good guy, men on the mission are bad guys, <laughs> it's like what has gone on since I've been away almost, and they're just positioning these really, really bad workers at the top and I just to work with each other, so he's never going to you off a good yeah. side,
0: was it that stuff can work if brett or sean are at the top and can work with yeah them. nash isn't carrying anybody and no. the fact that you have him against mabel you have him against sid mm. i mean that title reign was just a recipe <laughs> for disaster because it it may have started off all right with the brett match but i mean mm. think about it and, and sean at mania and then to go from brett and sean to sid and mabel and to Tonka and uh-huh. Uh, a David Boy who was always a passenger in good matches, never the, yeah. the ring general. It's no. just it's, you're not building him up to
1: be this really impressive champion when you put him against mid card guys at best. And I think with the Mabel thing, um, fair enough. The talent that was in the tournament, yeah, we said about the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. I, I guess the best thing they could have done with that maybe is, is for have what you said about 92, have Shawn Michaels win it. You, you use that as a bit of a platform for him now to jump towards the world title.
0: Um, well, I mean, 95 was kind of the, the buildup of Shawn. It was, it was all about building Shawn all year from, you know, a, a tough, but valiant loss at Mania to being betrayed by his bodyguard, to winning the IC title to having a match against the guy that he wrestled the year before in what some people considered the match of the year in a, in a rematch, but getting his yeah. back yeah. to being knocked out and having concussion issues that it was really the Shawn Michaels show all year. He yeah. was the main character if 95 was a movie and to have him be such an afterthought in the chain of the rain pay-per-view just showed that yeah. they did not really know what they were doing. And it, it, it felt like, uh, a Booker who just had names in a hat and shook it up and yeah. just did that and that's no way to work. You have to work back to the front.
1: They had the perfect opportunity to rescue that event if they had used him. Really, um, I mean, what did they do? Was it it was a double count out or a time limit draw or something with Karma? Time limit draw with Karma. Time limit draw. Yeah. So again, so that was that the one that gave Mabel the the buy. Like we said again, the heels get the buy. You just didn't have the, the fan favorite that could beat him in the final. Really?
0: No, and I think if you would have had uh, a Razor or a Taker mm-hmm. or someone of that caliber, then maybe Mabel's victory would have seemed like a bigger deal. But him beating yeah. Savio Vega, a guy who, <laughs> you know, all the talent in the world, and but he never connected with the WWF's no. audiences the way that that type of push would, would warrant. I mean, uh, even one, two, three, kid would have been more over. It, yeah. it would have been akin to like having Bob Holly in the finals. It just wouldn't have worked.
1: No. And you look at Especially what in Philly. True. Absolutely. Yeah. Never thought of that. Um, but you look at what Mabel did then. So, yeah, he went on to have a title match. So that kind of winning it meant something. They built that into the storyline. Um, Savio Vega wasn't even on
0: SummerSlam. Uh, I think uh, Russell's Owen Hart. Oh, no, wait, that was next year. That was year. The next year, yeah.
1: So he, he was on In Your House, too, where him and Razor went up against Men on a mission. So they continued that, I suppose. But then by SummerSlam, he ain't got our place. So it's like, why have him in that, that final match, really, when you're going to do absolutely nothing with him immediately after? But,
0: um... Yeah, it just goes to show you that there was no cohesive long term plan. Now, nah. it's possible that there may have been all sorts of other things that we as the fans aren't aware of, like mm. the idea of. Trusting Razor in a spot like that, knowing his demons, and yeah, so true. maybe Savio felt like a, a safer alternative. But mm. Taker was right there, and Taker's channel—you kind of can you can beat Taker, and he still maintains his aura because you can always have him beat by shenanigans.
1: That was—and that was the only thing I think that Mabel had going for him on that night is that he beat the Undertaker, and it was an upset. Fair enough karma was involved as well but maybe they hope that that would give mabel the credibility to win it. it kind of i think it backfired i just don't think he should have been there but if it happens
0: just- in des moines iowa maybe it's different but the fact that it happens in philly it just shows you how tone deaf and how persistent yeah. that the wf can be that we're doing it our way and that was one of the main reasons why the whole covid uh thunderdome era is so rough to watch because you don't have the fans no. poo on their bad ideas so they just run with what they want to do so you hmm. see what would happen if the fans aren't there to to change things to yeah get Definitely. them out of their own heads
1: but um so we move on to, to a, a nicer time the following year they did kind of redeem it a little bit um but it was this was the first year. Did we mention that it was they didn't have the first round?
0: Yeah, it just and it sem- really course. watered it down, and it made it seem less prestigious. Yeah, and I, I mean, get it, it that in hindsight, everyone talks about the the promo, but he wasn't even that, on SummerSlam. So, well, it was exactly,
1: pre-show. he was on the pre-show in what a one-minute match against Yokozuna, who broke the ring again. And it was just you know, it's not something that's going to catapult him right up. When yeah, it was have...
0: Brett. If, yeah. if, if not for Brett. Ninety-six Austin um, was just kind of floundering. He was mm. just a guy on the card, and he had that promo, and there were some signs, and there there may have been some mm. some traction in some of the more smartier towns, but it wasn't until the Brett feud that he really took off.
1: No, he was kind of he was chiseling out the the character, wasn't he? Really, and maybe the fact that there was so little that they did with him after that shows that they weren't expecting to put him there because the the plan was for triple H to win it until the. uh, Plus uh, Austin at that
0: time was not the conventional guy that you could picture being Mm. pushed heavily in the the WWF. He he didn't have that larger than life persona. And I don't even care that he wasn't uh, built like Sid. This is a company that pushed Savage because Savage Mm. was undeniable. Austin's talent was eventually undeniable and, I'm not just saying this to be a hipster fan, but I remember in nineteen ninety-four Steve Austin was my favourite wrestler in the world because he right. just had a way of just bumping so violently that you would just have your eyes on the screen and I was just yeah fixated on mid-card WCW titles and champions that, that was they meant game. something
1: back then because of guys like him.
0: Exactly. Really.
1: But um yeah, I, I didn't I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of Steve Austin in ninety-six, I think. When they brought him in as the ringmaster, it was like, okay, we'll see where this goes because he's got the million dollar belt and it was kind of interesting. But then, I don't know, he was boring. I'm going to say that. There was nothing visually about him that was exciting. He didn't really do a lot in the ring that that, um, got me interested.
0: So Yeah, well, the thing is he was in a company with people that could do what he was doing Mm. only that they were over. So what was the point of of having him? And I, I get you're building newer talent but the way that they were presenting wrestling in 96 there's no wonder Mm. nwo and ww took off because it was such a a tired presentation it just looked bland
1: yeah yeah it's it's, when you get to the king of the ring and and austin wins it it didn't didn't excite me at all was it okay
0: well he beat uh uh, way over the hill jake roberts and i get it if not for jake there's no austin 316 no but Man, it would have been so much better if it was even like four years before.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those where in 93, it could have gone either way with Bret and Bam Bam, really. Same with 94. But 96, when you saw he was up against Jay, it's like they were building it as more this kind of resurgence. Um, like you know, imagine
0: Austin and Vader in the finals, which could have happened. Yeah. And instead you get Austin and... and Jay J uh, where you kind of predict where it's going to go.
1: yeah. Yeah, you, you knew then where it was gonna go. Yeah, they were building up Jake Roberts to be this kind of returning hero, could have been a dream for him to win it and that. But seeing where he ended ninety six, I mean it, it wouldn't have been a good idea for them to have put him over in that anyway, because they would have just wasted it. Um but yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointing one. That's when that's when the event started to to, to me mean, mean less. Or, you know, Absolutely. Um they, they started and, and- cutting
0: after that, it never really felt like at any point in the history of King of the Ring was it the best event in the year. In 93, no, no question in my mind, it was their best show that they put it in the year. 94, yeah. uh, I think Mania 10 was was better than 95, No Chance. Uh, no. And after that, like any given year, I can't no. envision saying King of the Ring was the best show
1: that year no it says it all with 96 with the 96 one but I think one of my favorite bits about it at the time was when Ahmed Johnson won the, the Commonwealth title <laughs> looking back on it now it's laughable but you know that was it was again yeah, it was a big thing I, I quite liked I quite liked him back then you know he was this kind well, of well he yeah, wasn't yet injured weekly no exactly you know he was impressive going into it and again you wanted him to win um the the, the Shaw Michaels Bulldog one was Again, they they done it the second pay per view in a row. Is it wasn't nobody cared. No, again, and, I didn't it was, believe oh, he, sorry, I, I didn't believe Bulldog was gonna win it, and that's the thing. You kind of like
0: look well, at like that's In June of '95, when King of the Ring '95 was happening, yeah, WWE had Great American Bash '95 that nobody really cares, mm. nobody remembers. In June of '94, they didn't have anything. They had a clash. Same with yeah. June of '93. In June of 96, while WF was putting on King of the Ring, they were like the seeds were there for the biggest thing at that time since yeah, with the NWO. And that's what everyone was talking about. If you were a professional wrestling fan, you weren't discussing of the ring 96 no. with the buddies you weren't talking about oh are you going to be watching raw are you excited for the savio Vega gold dust match are you excited for bob holly and tl hopper nobody yeah. cared
1: <laughs> um, they, it's almost like they weren't even competing yeah I, I guess the wwf was just not prepared for what was going to happen over the other side I'm. I'm reading the uh, the book uh, Nitro at the moment, which is is all about sort of the for the rise and fall of WCW from like a business perspective, and I mean it's put a whole new spin on it for me, really, as to sort of what was going on. And um, yeah, I I think I um ninety six. It was, was also for for
0: me personally. It was the first full year I was online.
1: Oh wow! So okay.
0: Prior to that, my my knowledge of wrestling was through the magazines and through actually yep. watching it. And then, yeah. as soon as you start interacting with other wrestling fans from all over the world that are observer subscribers and yeah. let you in on some of the inside terms, and you start finding it—that's that who Shawn Michaels' nights were at, you know, at Survivor's Series. Oh Cuba. yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> Like That was the exactly. stuff that I was really interested in, finding out who the mass wrestlers were, finding out that the executioner yeah. was bloody Rose at Mania 1, that was unusual to me. Yeah,
1: and I was led to believe, I don't know why I ever believed this is true, but I, I was led to believe Bret Hart was the executioner at WrestleMania 1. Oh, really?
0: I just yeah. see it, you know, he had like but, that type of gear during yeah.
1: that time. And I was like, wow, he was there at the beginning and nobody knew it. And no, he wasn't. <laughs>
0: No, I just thought he was just like, like a job guy. And yeah. when I first outlined, that was what I was looking at. And I remember when Kane's reign 96 was happening, there was no buzz about anything that WF was doing. Like you had your hardcore WF fans and, and Vince fans who would of course always discuss it. But as far as what the masses were talking about, they were always discussing WSW. It always seemed like it was far more interesting that Anything could happen. I know WF would always talk about anything could happen, but nobody bought that. You it know. was, you know, it always seemed very rehearsed and yeah. everything yeah. just felt, nothing felt spontaneous. It just, everything no. felt pre-planned. With WW, yeah. everything felt, well, was this book? All of a sudden you didn't know. Just now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you did not know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden that that was exciting. You know, and um, yeah, it took a, it took WWF a couple of years to kind of come around to find the one crucial element they needed to to turn it around. But um, so I wasn't going to go chronologically, but we are sort of naturally following that, so that's fine. I'll go with it. Ninety seven, I I'd be happy to remember, yeah. Except for Triple H winning it, which obviously he again should have done. So it's almost like he just kind of he he paid his dues for a year and then he got his prize. Um, it was, it was a good final. It started getting a little more kind of hardcore than the years before really with his match with Mankind.
0: And but... if you remember, Triple H was beat in a qualifying match and he was a replacement for someone. I, I can't remember who.
1: That's right, and yeah. So um... he was the
0: guy that I thought had the, the least amount of chance of winning.
1: Yeah, um, but when, didn't he lose to like... I can't think who he lost to, though. Yeah, you're right. You just reminded me of that.
0: Yeah. yeah so uh, that was really out of left field for me. So I wasn't yeah. expecting Triple H to win. And because I was never high on him dating back to his terrorizing days. He was just a, a guy <laughs> on the card. And yeah, it also began um, a long tradition of King of the Ring within the King of the Ring being inconsequential and something else within the card being the thing, the main takeaway. Yeah. It yeah. it was the Austin Michaels against Bulldog and Owen match at Charing 97. Is for me that was the thing that really stood out.
1: Yeah. And then so they, yeah, that's, it, was like, it was meant to be, wasn't it? But then they changed it to Austin against Michaels, which as the tag champs at the time, it's like okay, interesting, but it's got no substance to it. Why are you doing it? You know. But also that was a bit. cursed
0: card too, because if you remember, there was a lot of matches that were announced before, and I think Austin was supposed to face Pillman. And Brett was supposed to face Michaels, and then all the yes, a that- that's right,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were bigging that up. I don't know how Brett and Michaels would have really um, fared on the King of the Ring card, to be honest with you.
0: Would have? I'm sure it would have been a the, you know trademark. Brett Hart, a Smalls at, at the end, but it yeah. would have been a hell of a match because those guys were. It's impossible for them not to have a good match.
1: Yeah, true. Except if you count Montreal, but that's that's a that's another show.
0: Yeah, that's another show,
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I think I'm trying to think of what else happened on that that show to be honest with you. Uh, it's, it's very forgettable, which is odd because
0: '97 is. is my favorite year in Isn't the it? history okay. of the company.
1: Interesting, and Interesting. the
0: chain of the rain was just like it. Yeah, look what it's look what came after it. the best pay per view in the history of the company, in my opinion. Yes, uh, Canadian Stampede which Definitely. people look back fondly. and I never see people discussing King of the Ring 97 unless it's one of those, on this yeah. day, this happened. and people, Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that now.
1: Yeah, a bit of a footnote sort of thing. I think the only thing to take away from it was it's where Triple H started to elevate. You know, in that sense, the King of the Ring probably did mean something because it pushed him further up oh. the ladder where... Ben so bitter.
0: Was- <laughs> If ever there was a reason for a show to be eliminated from consciousness, it's if it helped push (laughs) Triple H. Do you really need that?
1: No. I I, it. It's an odd thing that they started to do. Yes, it grew into something really memorable, but when they started pairing Triple H with Shawn Michaels not long after this, I thought, I can't buy this because I didn't buy Shawn Michaels as a fully fledged heel after SummerSlam. You know, I kind of thought it got mixed up in something that it wasn't supposed to be and it would all filter out. I didn't it wasn't probably until well, that's probably because I, you're
0: not Canadian Chris we view Sean as a heel pretty much from the jump
1: <laughs> fair enough I forgot I forgot so yeah I, I, it was it was an odd part of the year um, I it was a ju- few months after that, that that was the event that I got to see over here in the UK which was in September of that year so it's kind of riding off of stuff that started from, from the um, King of the Ring kind of time I suppose but it wasn't until after that that really Austin started to take off a little bit more in another direction. You know, it wasn't just with Bret Hart. You know, and yeah. Uh, oh, Gold Dust and Crush. There we go. That's one match that came up into my head from that show. Wow.
0: Well, oh, you're better than me because, I, sure because I've watched Children's 97 a few times and <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. Hey, other right. than Triple H winning. It,
1: Here's a good yardstick, then. Anytime you've got a King of the Ring with Jerry Lawler in the semifinals, something's wrong. Yeah.
0: It's was percent true. Then.
1: Yeah. Because um, it's,
0: not, it's not Memphis. I mean, it, no. it's not the 80s. Like Lawler and WF was always presented as kind of... A just G- a comedy
1: act, really. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. I mean, the match he had at 95 with Brad. I mean, again, dire card, but a kiss-my-foot match.
0: Wasting it's... the hit, man.
1: Again, just the, the whole 95 was about... Was that, And that's just, you know, it just so happens that that, that calibre of a match was in there. You couldn't, couldn't really, you couldn't blame the fact that 95 was so bad when they were churning things like that out.
0: If anything, you start to question how Brett could think he wouldn't get screwed at Survivor Series 97 yeah. after <laughs> you know, all the stuff he's been put through.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So then we, we move on to the, to the next year, which 98, again, as I said at the beginning, is probably remembered... It's not even remembered for the tournament. It's remembered for that one moment. Again, I don't remember the entire match because there's not much of a match that really goes on. But that one moment. um, Two moments. Two moments. What? When he goes through the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hearing that's it's good that there is that memory that links people back to a King of the Ring, I suppose. But for me, it's not for the reason that. Should be, you know, the king of the ring for me should always be about the tournament, but um, yeah, I
0: mean, the Undertaker mankind could have had that match at In Your House Cold Day in Hell, or they could have had that match at Unforgiven or Judgment mm, Day, it didn't yeah. have to be at a king of the ring.
1: No, it seemed like a bit of an odd one, but it, again, it fit with the storyline, I suppose. Plus, I did think at the time they're just trying to recycle a, a feud which was two years old, you know, it was plus, good, plus it you was,
0: had the so, first title reign of a mayor
1: very true yeah see you forget that as well yeah because it's all overshadowed yeah yeah and and it only lasted one day so you could uh you could be forgiven for forgetting that one but you know yeah i i it was a shocking moment uh nobody really predicted or expected that to happen um footage of it still plays on today they still talk about it it's oh it's a meme to it yeah, you know, yeah he, oh my God,
0: he's broken in half.
1: Yeah, the commentary you can again. Jim Jim Ross in '98 had some cracking lines that still play on today. So, you know, it did give us that. My um, God, <laughs> i know not are going to try, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's it gave us that classic moment. It didn't really give us a lot else. Um, again, yeah, you reminded me earlier, Ken Shamrock won against The Rock. It was a good match. They had Dan Severn in there, though. So I think they were teasing a Shamrock Seven final, weren't they?
0: Yeah, um, which would have been interesting to see how they would have worked that in front of a dead crowd. That quite, exactly. Anything Severn did.
1: No. No, he was just so um, – I, I didn't buy into – I I wasn't a UFC follower at the time either, so I didn't really – I'd seen him pop up in, in some of the, uh, the wrestling magazines I was reading, knew who he was.
0: But if he would have been in WCW it. or ECW or Smoky Mountain or mm. AWA or WF five years beforehand, I'm yeah. sure he would have had, it. but at that time for that audience, let, let, let's face it, WWF audiences respond to characters. Uh, mm-hmm. WCW crowds could be won over by work. I've seen fans yeah. not care about wrestlers when they are when they have their introductions and are won over by Spots and moves and technique within the match. Mm-hmm. I never saw that with WF crowds. They would mm-hmm. not care about somebody, and nothing they could do in the match would change that.
1: No, no. And um, I think Seven was too stiff for me. You know, there was nothing. I mean, yeah, that's part of his his sort of visage I suppose. He just kind of deadpan, very focused. It just his style didn't fit. You know, where didn't, I know Ken didn't Shamrock get didn't, times, didn't
0: get the time.
1: Didn't get the no Ken Shamrock blended really well I think he, he did that transition really well into into wrestling but yeah seven but I heard so I saw seven doing a, a virtual sign a couple of months ago and he actually said he was a wrestler before he was a cage fighter he was the NWA champion I believe before he actually won like yeah. the UFC and, and so I was like I can imagine it in real sort of your know, amateur kind of maybe the territory days but
0: yeah it would have you know, been he would have been like a mike rotunda like not even irs yeah. but like a mike rotunda yeah. or a brian adias like a guy with trunks and boots and knee pads yeah. and elbow pads, and, and that's fine and well but that's mid card that yeah. screams mid card that's not champion
1: and this is the attitude era as well yeah. in the wwf where steve austin is on the top of the card in a first blood match which, again, I was kind of like, how is he ever going to beat Kane? Because Kane's whole body and face <laughs> are covered. You would never know. So we knew what was going to happen there, yeah. in a way.
0: Um, well, we were deep into the bullshit era.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And the fact that they just turned it over again the following night, it's like, why do it? You know, at least give him a month running with it to kind of build it up for a rematch. But but we, we are kind of getting into the, the realms now. Well, what
0: Chris, Chris, remember, they make moments.
1: They do. We, do. <laughs> we don't, obviously, but we are we are getting into the the time now where the king of the ring really is so unrecognizable to me. Yeah, inconsequential
0: as well. I mean, yeah, this doesn't matter.
1: No, you know, Ken Shamrock winning uh, the, the the tournament. Yeah, a few months later, he'd be the Intercontinental Champion. Brilliant. Um, he didn't really do. It. I mean, The Rock came out of that. I think better for losing. Really, I mean, he his rise then for the rest of the year is insurmountable. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was his SummerSlam '92.
1: Yeah, and then you get to, I can't even picture (laughs) now, the following years.
0: Well, '99 actually, I I saw this at a nightclub because it was my first year of being legal. Like, I'm not sure what the legal drinking age is in the in the UK, but okay, 19. Uh, in certain provinces in the province I lived at the time it was 19 and it was my first year being 19 Mm -hmm. and my birthday's in June of the rings in June I I remember going to see this and being psyched because the last show that I went to see at at a bar was Canadian Stampede and I didn't go to see any in 98 because I was always nervous that I would get ID'd and it would be a waste of going there just to be turned back so my first one that I could go see legally was King of the Ring ninety nine and okay. what a non-show. So
1: just trying to rack my brains now because I've not I, I didn't want to research the whole thing. I wanted to really go off what was in here and what was in here from the King of the Ring.
0: Um you did the ladder match where the briefcase gets raised. Uh between the Oh, is Austin that the the ownership? It's not
1: the ownership, it's like the running of the WWF against you know, Steve Austin against us. Yes. The man. Okay.
0: Yeah. It, it was heavily implied that it was Boss Man. Who, who did it? But oh yeah, yeah
1: study. no, I do remember that. Yeah, who won the tournament? I'm trying to think. That is this it's Billy Gunn Gun.
0: Yeah.
1: Case in point, you know.
0: Yeah. Talk about a forgettable year.
1: Ta- it's a, a, a tag team wrestler. He was, you know, he had so much success um in, in teams, and this was, I suppose, he's meant to be his breakout. And then, if you look at, I know there was an event in between, but look at what he did at SummerSlam then.
0: Yeah, um, nothing. No, he, he was not The work. Rock's uh female dog. Now the January <laughs> ninety nine just it's just dreadful. And that whole year I, I know people look back fondly on it, but it's it's of the moment to, to go back yeah. and, and watch it. If you have a thing for three minute matches with non-finishes, then that's your that's your jam. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then sort of if we go on to so my, my mind's becoming really hazy now because I stopped watching the king of the ring 2000 was the last pay-per-view that i was able to watch sort of as it happened um because then you know we we got rid of sky cable you know at home so that was the one i I do remember kurt angle winning that one i think in the right year
0: yeah Uh, but i I don't remember much about it other than that uh yeah it, it was during that time when everything with Raw being the way it was and SmackDown being the way it was, the pay-per-views kind of all bled together. And unless something really yeah. monumentous happened, I mean, I can tell you the qualifying matches for Chain Ring 93, I couldn't tell you who was in Chain of the Ring 2000. No. And that happened, you know, seven years later. I, I, I don't know. I know Angle won. Maybe he beat Edge. Angle, so in
1: 2000, Angle... Beat Rikishi in the final. Sedable, oh, good really? I mean, prior to that, you—I uh, think Rikishi beat Chris Benoit in one of the earlier matches. You could have had Benoit and Angle.
0: Maybe that, that was too dead, obvious.
1: You know. Maybe yeah. that was too obvious. I have a feeling that was the year Crash Holly actually got to the semis as well. Crash Holly, Kurt Angle put Crash Holly out yeah. in the semis.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that. Um, I
1: think that's enough said on that one. Really. How did I enough. forget that? Um, obviously obviously <laughs> um in 2001 i watched on a vhs probably about a year later
0: um so well it was it was most known for the the shane angle that's it yeah Crazy match nobody yeah. remembers edge winning the chain of the Rings. no which
1: is a shame because i think that was that final four actually was, was told quite a story with Angle, Edge, Christian, and Rhino, I thought that was quite good because they were all together at the time as well, sort of as a band. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt Angle came back, yeah, and and that was the match that everyone remembers for that again for one moment, of one yep. missed moment. Um,
0: and what a what a that that was Shane McMahon's career match, and I could see a case for it even being Angle's. I know he's had some bangers, yeah. but man, talk about a memorable match. Yeah.
1: It's- and, and again you know at what point did the king of the ring stop being about the king of the ring tournament 96 96 yeah so i honestly you know, it was
0: Every, why, everything why? after that it was just it was all survivor series 92s it was all yeah why,
1: why did they why why did they carry on with it i mean they in the last i don't know how many years they've been flip-flopping pay-per-view names and themes and that like anyone's business why why did they stick with something that really the main part of it was just such an afterthought. Yeah.
0: I th- I think it's because you have people who, like Vince was never. Like I'm not I'm not in his inner circle, but from what I've been able to to gauge from interviews, reading everything, uh, is that he's not the biggest fan of tournaments, and so it's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. how he's not the biggest tag team fan. So it's kind of an uphill battle to begin with. Yeah. So you need to have somebody who's really, you know, pushing for it in that has some modicum of power. And I don't know if they've had that. I mean, you're not going to get that from a Russo during that era. You're not going to get that from people who are, you know, have other main interests. It's it's not a WWF concept that I could see ever gaining much traction with the people that are in charge now and in the foreseeable future.
1: Interestingly, the first and only time that they used the King of the Ring to build towards a title match like they did for the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania was 2002. The mm-hmm. actual... 95. They Ah, but they built... They, they wasn't built in that I remember that the winner got the title shot. I think Mabel was uh-huh. just kind of... It was... They created that storyline in your house too that Mabel then went up against Diesel. They actually advertised the King of the Ring 2002 as the winner mm-hmm. will get a title match at SummerSlam. Even though Owen Hart and Mabel had done it before sort of as part of the storyline oh, yeah. um i all i remember about that one really because again i watched it when i was kind of a couple of years past watching it regularly anyway was that was the year brock lesnar one uh um, great hoss match
0: against test test career match in my opinion
1: yeah yeah i i forgot about this event until probably about three or four months ago when i had the chance mm-hmm. to see it again and i it was it was a lot better than i remembered And the RVD match, RVD and Lesnar in the final was quite credible,
0: really. Brock was such a breath of fresh air, especially after Mm. they bumbled the invasion angle that was, you know, right there on their lap, given to them. They decided, nah, not for us. We don't want to make all that money. (laughs) And uh, Brock was the type of unavoidable talent that I was saying that Ludwig Borger wasn't. You can't not push Brock Lesnar because he's so imposing and impressive and... Yeah. he's the type of guy that Vince always says, you know, he wants that person at the airport that everybody is in awe of and wants to go up yeah. and meet. Those are the star, the superstars that he envisions. And, and that's Brock right there. That's the yeah. template.
1: I think what they did with the King of the Ring there brought some prestige back to it. You know, it had a purpose again. I <laughs> Which think is that ironic I mean,
0: considering it was the last one.
1: Exactly. I was just about to make that point. It's like, why then did they get to that point of making it mean something again and then decide not to use it?
0: Because this is a company, it's like what CM Punk said in his infamous pipe bomb, he's a millionaire, could be a billionaire, even though he's a billionaire now, he could have more money, but Uh, it's it's kind of just there's no accounting <laughs> for taste
1: um, <laughs> no maybe you know i don't know how long it would have survived throughout the, the 12-month calendar you've got one match in the royal rumble that that denotes who gets top title shot at wrestlemania do you need one in june to decide who gets it in august
0: it's kind of a crutch it's kind of like i honestly believe that the money in the bank kind of made king of the mm. ring obsolete yeah that's true yeah. Mm. And and now all attempts at bringing it back, whether it be a a Raw or SmackDown only Mm. show or a a network only show, it just feels completely unnecessary. And it doesn't fit with
1: anything, you know, and I was looking back this morning at the guys that have won these sort of one night ones. And you're looking at Sheamus and apparently they whoever it was, I think it was Kevin Dunn, um, made that decision to put it on Sheamus to hurt Sheamus. Because yeah. he had no character and he knew he couldn't do anything with it. Um, William Regal, he should have won. He probably should have been someone who won the King of the Ring years ago when it meant something, because he was perfect.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, if, if ever there was a wrestler meant to be yeah. a wrestling king, it's a guy yeah. whose last name is Regal. I mean, come exactly.
1: Yeah. You know, as soon as they got him in there, it, I know they missed out with him really when they brought him in and, 98 they didn't bring him in in the best gimmick with this man's man thing but once they started turning him um into his lord stephen regal character again they had the perfect chance to use that and you know yeah and then kind of like
0: the idea of putting the title on scott hall instead of kevin nash you Mm. can't be trusted with somebody who has those types of demons there's a reason why rob van damme getting the title didn't last very long
1: no true no but you know, I'm just trying to think who the other guys are. So Baron Corbin, I think, is the most Wade recent. Wade Barrett. Um, Wade Barrett, which again, as a Brit, yeah, also yeah. you know, it's, it's I didn't really know a lot about um, him at the time, but it was quite good, I suppose, to see to
0: see a Brit. Yeah, but at that point, the crown.
1: True. Exactly. It's it's just like it's a one night achievement, and it didn't really mm-hmm. lead to anything else. Um,
0: without the qualifying matches without the build it, it if the company doesn't put any weight and any care into it how can it expect mm, the fans to, mm, to do so and, exactly
1: and I'm, I'm not even going to not that I'm sure any sort of big wigs at, at Wwe are watching this although they might be I'm sure they all I, are <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to implore them to bring this back because I would much rather conclude this by saying in my opinion, Leave it where it was. To be fair, if you'd have left it at 96, I would still be happy.
0: Yeah, moment in time. It was. Yeah. It, it was a. There was a time when the company cared about it, and thus the fans cared about it. As soon as yeah. they stopped putting the time and effort into it, of course the fans are gonna. I mean, the fact that Sheamus won it, and I guarantee more people are gonna remember Owen Hart was king yeah. than Sheamus, and Sheamus happened much more recently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it and it's going back to when it first started. It's an it's an '80s concept. It is an old school concept. Fair enough. It probably doesn't hold anything these days of any kind of interest. There's other hey, things so Survivor Series
0: that. and, and yeah. Rumble started in '88. So yeah. there are things that happened that have the potential of staying if the company stays course and doesn't waver. Yeah. As soon as they make it seem like a, a non-entity, like something that exactly. doesn't matter. The fans are going to buy into that yeah i'm surprised it's like really, a job entrance of a pay-per-view
1: it sounds like you referred a few times survivor series 92 i mean i i have a soft spot for that event because it was it was again at that time that i was really getting into it but i can't look at it as a survivor series no. it doesn't fit i'm surprised then that that's that was the only time they did it because if it was these days they would have run with that concept and still just slapped the name on it um just because it's a recognizable name you know it's a hook but I'm glad they, they followed through and it's still happening.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you had the odd ones like 98 when it was a tournament. Or oh, yeah. That,
1: yeah, I forget about that. But
0: even there, so, There are some years the, where there's a lot it, of non-Survivor Series matches, mm, but it still but maintains still the integrity there. of the Survivor yeah.
1: Series. Yeah. Yeah, I'd much prefer maybe this is another show we can do Survivor Series-wise. You know, it's uh, I'd much prefer when it was just those Survivor Series matches, okay. you know, um there was nothing else when they introduced the title match in 91 fair enough that was the only other match they had on that card but it just kind of did open the doors a little bit too
0: and they yeah, busted them done. open the next year with the fact that there was only the one exactly, exactly. Match that was a match that nobody was looking forward to and nobody cared about it. so no. that's how you that's how you make the fans not care about it you put out a subpar product and with subpar promotion and yeah. you're going to get fans that treat it like an afterthought yeah
1: so let's close this up. This has been brilliant. I, I've, I've really enjoyed this because King of the Ring was such a, uh, in those early years, this was this was the event that really did get me excited, get me looking forward to it because it was a concept. It wasn't just a list of matches. You know, there was something at stake. And it's been great to kind of, you know, discuss it with you and share your take on it and everything. If, if I was to say in closing, if you can put down when you think of King of the Ring one moment, which is either your favourite or, or, you know, one that always, when you hear King of the Ring, what moment does it take you back to?
0: Honestly, the first one. I I think back to when it was first announced and Brett was given the automatic number one seed and in the event centre, Gene Okerlund was running down some of the qualifying matches. Next week on Superstars will feature Mr Perfect versus Doink and on Challenge will feature Rays Ramon versus El Matador. And that was interesting to me as as a fan because if you're a fan of comic books what do what do fans of comic books do they they fantasy book who would win between the incredible hulk and the flash or who would win between shazam and batman with wrestling you who would win between bret hart and mr perfect who would win between one to three kid and quang you know there's there's things that On in the playground, you discuss. You have your favorites. Who like? There's no way Brett would beat Taker. There's no way that (laughs) Sean would beat Diesel. You know, there's that be things that fans would discuss. And King of the Ring brought that potential out, and so you could get excited. Like, oh, here's matches between name superstars as opposed to squash matches or feuds. Even these were just people competing for the the thrill of competition, and that's what athletes do. And yeah. there was a time when professional wrestling was presented in a serious manner where the fans could watch it and not feel like their intelligence was being insulted, to not would not feel like they had to be in on the joke. We weren't quite yet in the ironic culture, and you could just enjoy it for what it was. Yeah. I don't know if you can do that anymore because, you know, how can you watch that's something on the same network that's going to have – a kayfabe breaking documentary about the, the same thing that you watched you can't yeah. separate the two anymore
1: no no and that's that's the thing that's why it's so different now you can't just you can't put the two products together you know 20 years apart 25 years apart um i'd much much rather still be back there in the mid 90s oblivious You know, seven, eight-year-old oblivious to the fact that there was workings behind the scenes. I want to believe that what I'm seeing
0: is... But honestly, Chris, it was the best time. I've introduced Mm. non-fans to professional wrestling, and I've never, ever encountered somebody that says, I prefer modern wrestling to the older stuff. They all prefer the older stuff from the aesthetic, from the the promos, from the in-ring action. Everything was better back then and it used to be better. And it's something about having the memory to remember when it was better to also exist at the time when it was good. Yeah. It's good to have that because thanks to the award-winning W Network, we can always go back and watch. Absolutely. And as,
1: as much as I say against them and how it's changed and that these days, uh, having the network, it's just, it, it's, I, I don't have a subscription to it. So I always look every month to see what shows they're giving away free it's like this month, I think it's in your house, you know, so there's a bunch of old in your houses that I can go back and watch. It's just, it's, it's great. Cause I don't physically have the tapes anymore, you know? Um, so it's good that they, we've got that option, that opportunity to go back and relive it. But, well, uh, it was,
0: it was fun talking to you about Chain of the Rain. No, this, I, I would this love is to chat about any wrestling oriented thing ever. Hey,
1: we'll do this again. I'll throw out some other, other ideas and, uh, you know, and we'll just go back down memory lane all right well that's
0: all good thanks very much for having me
1: no no yeah. problem mate no problem till next time you know thank you everyone for for listening and and uh and watching in and this won't be the first or it won't be the last that we uh we meet with andrew i'm sure if um if you like this one and you've not heard andrew's first episode then go back um he's on episode 13 and then i release the entire interview in full i think a, a few shows later um but that, that's a good one it's you know it's, it's yeah. brilliant talking to you mate. any time we get to do this
0: don't forget yeah. to smash that subscribe button and hit like and tell all your friends and family
1: absolutely thank you man. i should have done that myself but there we go <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> cool i shall speak to you again sir
0: you've done it have a good one
1: you too mate